Welcome to Love Live Life podcast. I'm your host, Yuko Kudo, an artist and storyteller. Here on this podcast, you can connect with the like-hearted people one story at a time. The conversations focused on art, people, and social good. Special thanks to Prime Produce Apprentice Cooperative, Guild for Good, here in the heart of New York City. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Because we need each other more than ever, and we don't have to do it alone. So now, let's connect. In this episode, I invited Yuko Torihara. She's a director, writer, and an actor. Here's Yuko. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Today, I am, you know, I have a very special feeling about this episode. It's going to be amazing. Today, we have Yuko Torihara. Yuko is a director, writer, actor, and she's an awesome friend of mine. So thank you, Yuko, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love it. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm, um, I have so many feelings. I always have so many feelings when I talk to you because I know you can like take it in and just like give me something back that's surprising and totally illuminating. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for our friendship. Um, I feel like I've seen you, I mean myself, both of us grow throughout the last like five or six years I know you. Has it been that long? Yeah, it might have been longer, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like I've known you forever, though. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that, too. I feel like that, too. Wow. This is so exciting. We've come very far since then. Yeah, and you're, you've been sort of a mirror to me. So I notice all the, the wins, you know, and I'm there. I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Oh. And I know it's hard. It's, it's amazing. And so I think... I'm grateful to have this conversation with you. And I think there's like an uncharted territory that's not being hit in any sort of medium. That I don't, maybe, maybe in social media a little bit, but I feel like us together, there's something there. I love that uncharted territory. Let's go in there today. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So this is my, one of my favorite questions, and I, I always ask this to my guests. And what is a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Oh, my God. Um, okay, the fun fact is that I'm really funny. <laughs> but I think I'm so shy or, like, I'm funny to those that know me well. Like, I, it takes a long time for me to get to know other people or, like, I guess otherwise um, the other way around. So, yeah. It's so funny you say that because I've, again, I've known you for a while and I know how funny you are. And I always forget that how we as a Japanese woman, especially, we are so shy when we first meet people. Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, so many layers there. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I think that's a great um, point to start this conversation because first question that I have for you is, your upbringing, right? You were born in Japan and you grew up in UK, US, Japan, and you've moved around. So what was it like for you growing up in all these different places and that being exposed to different cultures? And I'm pretty sure that impacted you, not only as an artist, but you as a person. So yeah, it's a pretty unique upbringing now that I think about it. Um, growing up, that was just kind of my the way of life. But life is always an adventure. My family and I, we traveled constantly. Even when we weren't moving necessarily, we were 
um, we were travelers, like we would go to Turkey, Austria, Hungary, like, you know, the non-touristy places around the globe. And I think travel was a huge priority in life for each mm. of my family member. So it was a lot. I mean, it was before social media. So uh, every time I move, I wouldn't really see my friends for years. Right. And that was kind of uh, a norm for me, which made me so fiercely independent, almost to a fault. <laughs> but uh, I kept in touch with people through letters, through my heart, like stuff that's so old school. I think it would have been way different had I been young growing up now. It would have been, you know, much more connected or not. But yeah, I was kind of throwing myself in the deep, vast ocean every couple of years to a totally unknown world. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure now that you are more settled in New York, like you have more awareness of who you are as a Japanese person, right? But when you were younger, did you have a conscious awareness around like, oh, I am a Japanese person or I'm Asian woman? Did you have any conscious awareness or a Japanese culture for that matters? Yeah, what's, what's funny is that even though I didn't spend that much time in Japan, those formative years in Japan were so informative to who I was as a person. You know, five years old, six years old, I was already, I knew who I was in Japan. Mm. And I thought, I may have told you this before, but I thought, you know, I was raised in Tokyo. I was like, I'm never leaving Tokyo. This is my city. I'm a Tokyo girl. Like I saw myself there my entire life. Wow. And you know, my life turned out to be completely the opposite, just <laughs> not in Japan and elsewhere, everywhere else in the world. But uh, it's funny how I've always maintained this Japanese-ness that, that I knew clearly. Um, but then I started forming this other identity that was constantly, that's like sort of the actor in me, that was constantly changing, uh, reassessing myself, sort of performing in a way, with regards to where I was, whether it was like the suburbs of Jersey or, you know, super cosmopolitan London, whatever it was, that part of me was always so unsure of myself and so un uncertain, so insecure because I had no roots in that mm. side of my personality. But on the other hand, my Japanese side was, has always been so rooted, undeniably so. Wow. Which is it's a funny dichotomy, I guess. <laughs> That's so powerful that like at, you said you're around five years old, the formative ages, you already know who you are as a Japanese person, that it's, I don't remember what I was doing when I was five, right? Me grow up in, in a super rural and suburb area of Japan, right? Because I'm from Aomori, which is so far from Tokyo in the middle of nowhere. I'm more of a nature girl. And so that's a completely different, you're more in the metropolitan area. So what was it about Japanese culture that you, you think you're so rooted in? Was there a specific culture or was it a more intuitive thing? Yeah, it was all of those things. I think it was, first of all, language. I think the Japanese language, I understood. I mean, obviously, it's my first language, but the way the language was used, the way it was communicated, it just made sense to me, you know? 
So as a five-year-old, I could almost see myself and play a 25-year-old woman because I knew how the language worked and how I could use it to be a woman. It's a very gendered language as well. And I I just got it. (laughs) So it just came naturally to me. So, I mean, you can say all kinds of things like past lives or, you know, like the fact that I had an older brother and I had people around me. Uh, I, I, I grew up in this like sort of a, a communal setting, these huge apartments filled with children. So I, I was always around people and, you know, probably eavesdropping and learning constantly from those around me. Yeah. Kind of forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that's one of the things that I, I'm really fascinated by, you know, learning from you. Because, yeah. again, like for me, defining the Japanese identity and embracing that has been a, such a huge part of my journey recently. And every time I see you, you're so um, connected to the heritage, like the projects that you work on, the research that you do, and you're always connected to the heritage. And I was always curious, like, why she's so connected to this route? It was so fascinating to me. So it's it's amazing that you had that awareness and connection since you were in a very early age. Yeah. And also, I moved out of the country when I was seven. Um, and so Japan was always... Uh, a land that I longed for, you know, Mm. it's different from if you're immersed in that culture, but for me, it was in my past and my imagination and things I would see on the, on TV. Um, So I think curiosity goes where it doesn't, it's not around, like it, it, you know what I mean? Like I, curiosity kind of filters to places that you can't touch. Mm. So I think a part of that. Um, and also, I was also the the only Japanese kid in my elementary school. Like I was always the sort of the only Japanese in whatever setting I was. So I was representing my culture all the time, you know, <laughs> without really consciously doing so. I was like a cultural ambassador. <laughs> Yes, you were. You were, and you have been. You have been a powerful cultural ambassador. And what about the other side that you talked about um, early on? The the side of you that it's more leaning towards the actress, that different identity. How has that development? What or that? How was the journey of, let's say, creating this persona or a different side of you? Oh, that's been really hard. That's been really challenging. Um, I think nowadays, like, especially after the pandemic, I feel like I'm a a little bit more rooted in that side of myself, but I had no guidance. I had really no mentors, um, that could relate to that side of myself. And it was also in contrast to my Japanese self, I was always sort of asking for permission as to whether that was okay to be this way. or, you know, kind of in fear of like, if, if I am so much of this other side of me, would I lose the Japanese side, you know? And that sort of, uh, the Japanese side also related to how, how loyal I was to my family, to my culture, to appropriate behavior, uh, you know, all the check, checklists. So 
it's been interesting. Maybe it was meant to be this way, you know, and experience so much, so many cultures, so many people, so much early on. And also being kind of protected in that grown up upbringing. Mm. So never, you know, New York is the first place I, I'm settled. And that's when I was an adult. So yeah, it all makes sense. Right. So what made you want to settle to New York? What was it about New York that fascinated you or was it calling? Yeah, I didn't mean to settle in New York at all. I was, I was going to come for a year, check it out, and then move back to Tokyo. But uh, that didn't end up happening, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, it's, so much was against me staying in New York. It's hard for us to stay in New York. But somehow I kept, I was able to, which I'm so grateful for. But uh, ultimately, I think it's the city where I can thrive most. I love that. And I'm glad you stayed because otherwise we wouldn't have met, right? I know, I know. Yeah. And done the work together. Mm-hmm. And especially now that I'm hearing it, like you knew that you are you are like a Tokyo girl. You knew that you belong to Japan. And uh, hearing that journey makes you curious makes me curious to see like, ooh, what is it about New York? What is it about the city and the vibe and or just creativity in general? Because you've gone through so much path as a creator right not only as a filmmaker a writer and actor but also as a photographer and you've done fantastic work here and you let's talk about the chinatown beat i am really really excited to talk about this congratulations that had to been just featured in new yorker this early this year and as a chinatown based writer henry chang and the legendary asian american photographer corky lee um can you take us through what this process was like? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I guess the inception of this was from being locked up for a year in Manhattan and just wanting to not be defeated by this, mm. what was happening in the world. And just to take care of my mental health, uh, we creatives need an outlet and the pandemic made it harder for us. But in a way, I kind of thrive in these very tough situations. Um, that's when I shine the most. <laughs> so um, my friend Adam um, reached out to me one day, um, the exact same day when I was like, I will not be defeated. I will go out in my boots. I will go out in my, my gloves and my jumpers and just do something creative outside get out of the house. It was like January of 2021. So the day I decided that, um, my friend Adam reached out to me and he was feeling the same thing. He's like, on top of it, he has two, two little kids. Wow. And he was dying to do something. And he was like, hey, you want to like go out and shoot tonight? And I was like, yes, yes. And so we did that. And then after the shoot, it was amazing. It was an awesome shoot with like Times Square with the lights off. And it was just so dystopian and so cool looking. Um, but at the end of it, he was like, I want to shoot in, the, in neon. And I said, I want to shoot in Chinatown. And the, the next thought I had was like, wouldn't it be cool to have Henry Chang, our friend, friend of both of us, Henry Chang at night in Chinatown with neon. 
And I was like, oh, I want to do this. And so then that night I messaged Henry. I was like, hey, I'm I'm thinking of doing this kind of noir video. I'm just going to shoot it and I want to direct you and just kind of be this mood thing. It'll be fun. And like, I'll make you look awesome. I'll promise you that. (laughs) And Henry was like, yeah, I'm down. And that was the coolest thing that he was so open to it. Wow. Um, Because we'd never worked together. He kind of knew me, but he didn't know me that well. Um, We'd always seen each other around. But um, said yes. And he's like, you know, I'm, 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 too, I'm kind of busy in February, like, but I'm, I'm free this week. And I was like, are you free tomorrow? And that's when we shot it. Wow. It was that quick. Yeah, it was that quick. But then when I saw him, the first thing I told him after the hellos, more people should know who you are, was like the first thought I, that came to me because... I don't know how familiar you are with Henry, but um, he's like this big social figure in the Chinatown community. Um, he's such a respected figure, but who's also very adored. A lot of people who are respected are kind of threat, like feared, but he's also he's very adored, and I think that's a really rare quality that makes him so special. Mm. So, I mean, should I keep going? Like, I yeah, please do. Okay. Um, when I saw him and I, you know, recognizing that he always made you feel seen and he always made you feel welcome. He always made you feel good about yourself. And that's a special kind of person to be able to do that to somebody else. And I think that's sort of his secret. Right. Um, But I wanted to get to know more behind that person. You know, how, what's his process like in writing? What's his creative process like? How does he get up in the day? How, you know, how does he function to become a great person? Um, and I just started asking questions. I was like, is it okay if I ask you questions? He's like, yeah, sure. So we started messaging each other and that ended up in him writing an original script for this film. And it just took a life of its own. Of course, we tried, like, we worked hard, but it came together so, so perfectly. Just in time for Chinese New Year, all our friends kind of chipped in. So much talent in New York and musicians, sound editors, uh, photographers, cinematographers, uh, even the people that just kind of helped out um, in the back. They were just, just the rarest talent that I get to call my friends. So it's special. It was kind of scary once it was done and I showed it to Henry. It was also his 70th birthday at that time, around that time. So I wanted to, you know, give it, like show it to him for his birthday. Like do it really fast so he could see it and enjoy it. And then I started showing other people, my friends, and it, very positive feedback, but I wanted to, I wanted the film to go just beyond the, our own community. Cause I thought, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm talking so much. <laughs> I am. But this okay. is great. Please do. Okay, great. Um, I think we as Asian Americans, we could use mentors who are thriving creatively, artistically as in their communities, 
who love themselves, who take care of themselves, who are good at self-care and who can live unapologetically, which is what a lot of us immigrants kind of suffer from because first of all, life is, life is a hustle and there's no end to it. But the pandemic kind of made us think, stop, pause for a second. Well, some of us are lucky to be able to do so. But the energy that Henry envelops, it's something that's learned over the years of endurance, uh, of risk-taking, of, of prioritizing his creativity, his, his worth, um, and developing his talent, like self-investment. And that kind of figure is, it, we as young artists could really gain from that. And I thought particularly to Asian male writers coming up. What an ins inspiration he is. So if I had made something like this, a film about him, it's a portraiture, but it's also about his process, about his message, about his character, you know, maybe it could give some courage or some sense of hope to a community that suffered so much during the pandemic and artists who are struggling in this time just so many things that I wanted to say to the world, but Henry could, you know, deliver it in a way that was inspiring, accessible, and just fucking awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that was my thinking behind it. Wow. I agree with that 100%. The importance of having the mentor to guide us through as an Asian and immigrant, and I am female identified so I can speak for the male identified folks in the Asian community but I can totally relate like how do I not have the folks who paved the way for me in the past like would I be here absolutely not and and especially in the art sector because it's or maybe just a film and TV that where I have been, it's so competitive in nature to begin with. And like everybody seems like a competitor, right? Yes. So it, writers might have a different relationship with each other and the visual artists might have a different relationship, but as a human, as a community, and I, I echo with you because like the folks who are respected are often intimidated or ooh, like somebody who is farther out. So having the two your elements of respect it and adore together that it's so important and I am so grateful for this piece and when I watched it I was just in awe and just hearing the process that comes together so quickly and in particular I want you to share a little bit about how you said you just wanted to share this story you just wanted to put it out there for as a gift can you elaborate on that part just a little bit yeah um you know, this film isn't meant to just stay in my hard drive. You know, it's meant to be heard and seen and experienced. Um, and it's, it's, it's not mine. It's, 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 a, it's a collaboration of many souls together with a purpose to, to share the light, I guess. Um, I think especially with Chinese New Year coming up, really felt like this is the least I could do in this, in this time we live in so yeah thank you for sure and so I, one question um chinatown beat right who named this documentary was it you it was me but he has it in his writing in his script he goes want to take um 
the stroll down Chinatown Beat. So yeah, it's it's Henry's words. And he has also has his, a novel named Chinatown Beat as well. Mm, I was curious, like, is it like a beat as in, especially with the Chinese New Year, and there's like lots of festive music coming on around, or was it about the heartbeat or the soul, you know? So I was just curious about that. Yeah, yeah, it's totally Henry's language. It's like that. that's how he speaks. And yeah. I love it. And for you as a personally, what was the biggest takeaway or like what was something that you learned from this experience? Oh, that I love directing. I love it. I love it. I felt so in my element. And I'd be up late at night or like up super early in the morning editing, like jamming to the music, you know, the visuals and just getting to play with all those elements. Um, as an actor, it's harder to control the out- output. Um, it, you, know, you basically have no control as an actor unless it, you just kind of focus on your part in the huge project. But to be able to kind of facilitate each artist to do their own their best work and to kind of cheerlead them on was really enjoyable and just also gave me the confidence that I I want to tell more stories and Mm. this is not over like (laughs) this is just the beginning so that's I'm totally blessed that I had the opportunity to do this with Henry, with the legacy of Corky Lee, with Perry Young, with Adam, with Eric, with Dice, uh, Grayson. Yeah, it was amazing. I wish we would get see how you look right now because you're such a joy and such a like gratitude surrounding you right now. Like I wish people can see that. Just come at me, like all these opportunities so that I can tell my story and tell everybody's story. And I know that you're working on a couple of projects, but what are some of the stories that you want to share now that you have this deeper passion for directing? Yes, um, I want to do so much, but I want to tell stories of people, real people, like biopics type of things and get really deep into like one's state, one's history. Um, I want to tell stories of the Japanese diaspora. Um, I wanna make works that cracks you open, that makes you appreciate life, uh, appreciate the simple things in life. I guess these are guides of how I'd like to live. So that's just the beginning. Lips sealed. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, this is just the beginning and I echo you on that. We have nowhere to get to, right? I, I love the saying of life. Like we know that it started and it end, even the word life, right? In the middle part of two letters are if. So it feels like everything that we want to create, like it's up to you. It's up to us to what we create and co-create with the folks in our lives. 100%. I love that. I feel like I'm already talking about this, right? We were talking about... I, uh, we as an Asian American aging person and immigrant in this country and again going back to 
who I am and my creativity and what I learned from you is how you are embraced in the Japanese heritage and identity. Do you see yourself doing more cross-culture or collaborative work in terms of different languages or different diaspora like you're saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. That's sort of where I live. Um, I think that's why I live in New York, to be with people from all over the world um, in all facets of life. That's, that's the thing about acting, the opportunities I get. It's so non-diverse in the sense that, yeah, you can have like Asian person, you know, African-American person, Indian person, you know, uh, white person, but it's just in like one sort of trajectory or one lens. But life's not like that. Like as an immigrant, we know this to the core that we code shift all the time throughout the day. And when we're on the phone with our parents or back home, it's just reality is like a mirror, you know, like a multifaceted mirror, um, like a crystal. So I think that's, that's how I, I see life. So I'd like to reflect that in my work. Are you drawn to certain culture more than the others? I am. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by, by Brazil, like the Japanese people in Brazil. That's a story I don't know much about, but um, there's not that much, many stories coming up about that. And that's, that's just one example. And women's stories from Japan, it's like a gem um, to see that. Yeah, and New York stories. I'm always a sucker for New York stories because that's so real and uh, so beautiful. Absolutely. New York story is very special. And yeah, I, there are so many moments in my life. Like it, it, New York is like a love and hate relationship, right? Like you love it and you adore it. You never want to leave. And then one thing happened and you're like, I'm done with New York. I just want to leave. I want to go back to Japan or I want to just disappear and go into the Bahamas or something. And yeah, yeah but I, I hear you on that 100%. Yeah. It's really a place where you discover yourself. I didn't know myself until I came to this city in the deeper sense of like where like my capacities, not what I knew, but like what, what I didn't know, what I, what I could be. Mm. I'm curious to know more about that. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of like have a defined sense of life that you're supposed to do this and this and this and like, kind of fall into this place and this and this and that's a good life but that's not it that's not that's what is that anyway I think New York just gives you options and freedom options are is freedom freedom comes with a price but it's worth it at least to me yeah I love that. It's a place for self-discovery and self-creation. 100% agree with that. So um, I'm curious, if you can give yourself a piece of advice, but when you're five years old or 10 years old, when you're younger, what would that be? I would say it's still, it's an advice I could hear myself now is don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. Like boring doesn't do anything and just be yourself. Just, it's so easy to say, but 
be grateful that you get to wake up in the morning, have a roof over your head, hopefully, enjoy the food, enjoy the culture around you, enjoy the people around you. Be simple. I think nothing much has changed. So I, I still want to say that to myself. <laughs> I love that advice. And a lot of us can use that, and especially after pandemic. We discover a lot of things about what's important in our life, right? Like whether that is your family, your passion, or giving back to society or community, like whatever it is. So, yeah. And I hope we don't go back because I think go back to how it was before the pandemic. Um, now that things are opening up again, I think there's a sort of, sort of like FOMO, like fear of missing out, kind of want to be out there again, sort of be back to normal. But I hope I don't, and we don't forget about the joys in the simplicity. Yeah, it, I, I agree. Like there is no going goes and goes back, right? Because are we going to pretend nothing happened? No, absolutely not. We can't go back. We're just going to move forward and learn from what we can and implement that. Yeah. And so sometimes that means self-care and just kind of stopping what, what, what you're doing, taking time for yourself. And I think we talked about this yesterday and you were so right, you know, with the go, go, go mentality of pre-pandemic, we didn't give ourselves the, the space to just be. And now that things are back open again, it's easy to go back to the go, go, go and just feel so lost. Like what the hell am I doing? But just remembering that those things, those simple things, yeah, like hydrating yourself, you know? And we do forget that though. I think especially as a New Yorker, we often drink coffee more than we drink water. So Yes, I know. <laughs> At least I'm guilty of that. So good reminder. Um, I do have a, one more question, but before you jump into that, can you share folks like how they can learn more about your work and how people can watch Chinatown Beat? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Chinatown Beat documentary, can, it's a short doc. You can watch it on the New Yorker site. Just Google Chinatown Beat New Yorker and come up. And my name is Yuko Torihara, and you can find me online. That's uh, my social is pretty much just my name. So Yuko Torihara, like at Yuko Torihara, you can find me. Um, or yukotorihara.us, that's my website. Yeah, please check out her work. She is beautiful. Uh, not only her artwork, but she's a beautiful human. And I am so grateful that we can call each other friend and have this conversation. So the last but not least question, what is a call to action or message that you want to share with the world right at this moment? Um, I want to say all the cheesy stuff. Do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, be kind, be kind to yourself, love yourself, that comes before anything. Once you love yourself, once you're kind to yourself, you can afford to be kind to other people and to love other people, to appreciate them, to respect them, to understand them. Uh, and it gives you space for growth. Growth is hope, and we need as much hope in this world. So just by being here, you being here in this world, it's a blessing, and 
And yeah. <laughs> I'm so cheesy, but that's kind of that's sort of where I'm at. Um, yeah. I had a thought. I had a thought that you asked, you asked in, in the question that you sent me, that like we, we always talk in Japanese and we could fix that. Oh, we always talk in English, but Great. there is so much within the Japanese language. So I think I want to talk to you more in Japanese. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I'm only doing this in English just because we are, our listeners may not know the Japanese language, but it will come and I definitely want to not only explore, but embrace myself as a Japanese woman and embrace myself because I'm not even a Japanese American. I am Japanese, period. I'm immigrant here. My whole entire family live in Japan and I never grew up anywhere else but here. I came here as an adult and it took me almost half of my life to go back to my roots. And if anything, for that exact reason, I have more appreciation for that right? Appreciation for my heritage, appreciation for who I am, my ancestors, and what I get to pass down to the next generation. So I am so on board with having more conversation with you in Japanese. And right after we say cut, <laughs> but thank you for offering that opportunity. And arigatou gozaimasu. <laughs> Again, thank you so much. And I am so grateful that you're on, not only you're on this podcast, but you're in my life and being able to play and chat and be humans together. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Please check out Chinatown Beat, a short documentary film directed by Yuko Torihara, a film about Chinatown-based writer Henry Chang and legendary Asian-American photographer Gorky Lee, which was featured in The New Yorker. You can learn more about her work by visiting her website, yukotorihara.us. Let us be kind to ourselves, starting now. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Love Live Life Podcast. Don't forget to visit my website, yukoislovelivelife.com, and I'd love to connect you there. You can sign up to my weekly newsletter or join my Patreon community and talk more about art, people, and social good. Till next story, let's stay connected.